Inescapably foreign. Welcome to Without Borders, the podcast for nomads, expats, immigrants, refugees, third culture children, or anyone else that feels inescapably foreign. I'm your host, Nolan Yuma. If this is your first time tuning in to the program, please remember you can access language notes and a transcript at withoutborders.fyi. Today, I'm here with Ikwe Weno. We met, I don't know, 10 years ago, nine years ago, and we haven't spoken in, I think, (laughs) seven years, something like that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so Ikwe, um, she's from Japan, she moved to Canada, she works as a dance instructor, and she's also very busy with the Human Garage Project. We'll get a little bit into that as well. And she's also a spiritualist, and since she's in the Human Garage Project, she's also a healthcare professional. So we're going to talk a little bit about some of the differences in how we perceive healthcare and mental illness in Japan, in Canada, and of course, with her work as well. So, Ikwe, let's get started. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Nolan. It's been oh, I'm a while. happy to have you. <laughs> Uh, so a little bit about myself, Sister Saad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was born and raised in Miyazaki City in Japan. And I came to Canada. Uh, originally in 2002, I was an exchange student and exchange student at the University of Alberta. And then I kind of like, I fell in love with Canada. And, and also, um, I started to dance when I went to university in Japan originally. And I just like wanted to pursue my career in dance and I chose Canada. So when I studied at U of A, I went back to Japan, finished my degree, came back to Vancouver. And then, yeah, and since then I'm just basically most of the time I'm in Canada. So it's been like over 17 years, I would say. (laughs) Well, and how often have you gone back home to Japan? Uh, I tried to go back once a year, but since pandemic, I haven't been able to. It just, <laughs> you know, I'm just waiting for the great time. Probably I will go back next year. So very excited about it. And um, yeah, it's, um, <clears throat> um, it's been a long time. <laughs> yeah. But definitely, I think I'm in a very unique place um, in terms of culture because I was born and raised in Japan. So all my programming, all my you know, uh, beliefs like strongly tied to Japanese culture. And even now, you know, I'm breaking, you know, just like stripping away all the stuff that doesn't resonate with me, but definitely the core value is there. (laughs) Well, I guess one of the big ones is, is that in Japan, there's, well, by the way, everything I'm going to say about what I know about Japan today is purely theoretical because I haven't been to Japan. Um, but I really want to go. I'm fascinated by Japanese culture. And today, a little bit different than some of my other episodes, I have so many notes prepared. And pretty yeah. much everything you're going to hear me say is from the psycho- uh, cultural psychology textbook by Stephen J. Hine. So any listeners right now, if you're interested in cultural psychology, I highly recommend it. Um, but just tying it into what Ikwe just said. Um, about some of the different beliefs and values. Japan is much more of a holistic culture, right? And in North America and in Canada, it's a bit more analytic. 
right? Have you noticed that at all from your experience? And you said you had to strip some things away or keep some things. Right. Uh, that's a very interesting question. And I've I've done a lot of research in university also because it. I study um, international like communication. Also, I was an ESL teacher for over a decade before I uh, transitioned into teaching dance full time. So I always talk about um, the differences between Japan and Canada and other countries. I would say um, I also say this in Nashima Garage too. Like English, almost like a pharmaceutical version of languages <laughs> what that means is like you know i know nolan you speak a lot of languages but you know spanish and uh, japanese like it has this like a lot of nuances and you know one words and there are so many variety of words that mean something and but i think it's when it comes to english it, i think it's like how we describe is more uh, blunt and um it doesn't have a nuances like per se i don't know maybe you can disagree with that and i what i noticed as i was teaching japanese we of uh, as i was um, teaching english uh, to japanese students we often like in japanese language we often omit subject and i think that happens to spanish as well uh we don't have to so a lot of times we don't have to explain a lot of things because we read the air we read each other Whereas I feel like I have to say I or you or she or there <laughs> and always have to explain everything in English. And that's a different part. So um, I think what I discovered in Japanese language is even though we, I'm talking to you and, you know, I'm talking, but there's always like, you know, like. A lot of Japanese people say that, oh, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in anything. But it's like in our culture, like God, like we don't necessarily like, you know, um, admire or honor Jesus Christ or anything like the one, one almighty God. But it more like we believe in spirit and everything. We believe in God and toilet and <laughs> believe in God and forest. And there's always like that um, higher power that's, um, take care of us so as we are talking it's like we often say this word um, de, and that means is okagesama it's like a shadow self and um, it's like we always have that higher power in the background you know whatever we do whatever we experience in our life and I think that part is so ingrained in our culture so um, in Japanese culture so um you don't you don't know it until you go outside of the you know outside of Japan, uh, whereas English is very logical, analytical. It's like me and you. There's nothing else in between. So, um, yeah, those are very very different how we describe ourselves, how we express our emotions and stuff like that. Yeah, you you've already covered so much. <laughs> oh, okay. Just going going back to the beginning when you mentioned about the. Um, the subjects, right? We always say I, and we have a subject in a sentence. Mm -hmm. um, I've also heard that people from Western cultures, when asked to describe themselves, mm -hmm. they'll say I, and then followed by what, um, by certain adjectives. Mm -hmm. I'm ambitious. I'm brave. Yeah. I'm adventurous. Yeah. Whereas I've heard in many Eastern cultures and in Japan that 
people might describe themselves in relationships. I'm an older brother. I'm um, someone who likes to work in a team, something like this. Is is that true? Or have you noticed that? Uh, well? When you describe yourself? Yeah, when you're describing yourself, instead of just describing you as an independent unity, describing yourself as in the relationships that you have with other people. Because, of course, Japan is much more of a um, uh, collectivistic culture in some ways and also a little bit more interdependent, right? Yeah. I think it's... Um, I've been, you know, not studying, but hearing a lot about the indigenous culture, for example. Um, they talk about, I have responsibilities, whereas Western culture is like, I have rights. I don't know if you ever heard of like concept, like yes, first yes. responsibility, and that resonate with me so much in terms of climate, you know, climate change or anything that you know, um, and social issues, political issues. I think Japanese culture always had that, you know, as much as like there's some toxicity, toxicity in just being, you know, part of the society and being so pressured to be always polite and not. You know, not to, you know, we're not to not supposed to be angry or frustrated and show emotions. We're suppressed so much, but um, at the same time, as a collective, we like the idea that we have responsibilities to take care of um people, take care of nature, and so ingrained in our culture. And um, um, so where I'm trying to say what I'm trying to say is, sorry, what was the question again? <laughs> Um, no, no, no. Uh, yeah, going on that tangent, it all relates. Yeah, so I have responsibilities as a member of the society. We are, you know, um, I think it's like, you know, omitting subject or you know, Japanese subject goes like um, the sentence goes subject, and there's like a lot of auxiliary words, adjectives, and da 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 da, and the very end there's a conclusion. I was um, I was very shy in Japan. I you know just uh, it took me a while to get to where I am. But I remember when I was very shy, I will start the conversation or start my talking, talk talk talk, all this auxiliary word, and at the end of the sentence, when it comes to the conclusion, the word part, um, the verb, I would just fade it fade out because <laughs> I I'm not confident enough to finish my sentence. And people are able to understand me because in Japanese, because it's just, uh, we say, um, we call it sasuru, sasuru culture. Basically what that means is just people don't need to finish each other's sentences because we feel each other, we read each other and that ingrained in our society. But I feel like with all this technology and all this social issue that Japanese culture uh, deals with, it's just we're just losing a connection of who we are, the roots of the culture. Yeah. 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 Okay, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then tying into the confidence, you said at the be beginning you weren't as confident to express yourself. Mm -hmm. I read that Japanese people often score much lower on self-esteem versus people in North America. I've noticed it myself because when you start traveling 
No one gives a shit about self-esteem outside of North America. It's such a North American idea to be like, they have to make sure they have a high self-esteem, right? Especially when we're talking about... Also, also like, you're wonderful and, you know, bravo for everything, you know. It's it's a very different way of, um, you know, raising a child, I think, in Asian culture. Um, it's like, you know, do you know the word kaisen? That's nope. a Japanese word, and kaizen is a very commonly known word in a business society nowadays. It means improvement. Basically, it's just improvement in, Jap- in Japanese, in English. Well, now. Yeah, and uh, so pe- more people know about this word kaizen, kaizen, and I think business people use this particular Japanese word kaizen because it's just stoic, you know, it's just so just like perfectionist and um, living in Japan we're constantly pressured to be perfect and instead of just appreciating what we are good at it's like okay we're good at this but then let's look at this one thing that it's not <laughs> and and you know it doesn't make, make me feel good at all but that's how I was raised and um, yeah uh, or or just subconsciously I I just applied that um, perceptions and beliefs in myself. So I always um, under pressure to be better and the best, and I never felt enough. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting because everything you're telling me right now is spot on to what I learned theoretically in cultural psychology. Like they did one study with um, Japanese Canadians. I think it was at UBC. Uh, so some of the Japanese students and then some of the people from a European background. And when the Europeans, this was completely arbitrary, right? But when the Europeans were told you did, or Europeans, Canadians, but with a European background, uh, when yeah. they were told you did a good job, like this was great, mm-hmm. they wanted to keep going, mm-hmm. right? And when they told the Japanese students uh, you did a good job, they stopped the activity. And then on the flip side, when they told the Japanese students, you didn't do a good job, they just kept going and they wouldn't give up. Whereas the people from a European background were like, okay, screw this. I want to do what I'm good at, not what I'm bad at. Mm, That's interesting. Like even when I teach devs, we talk about like, you know, how our words, like our words are very powerful, especially I'm in a position where I guide next generation of kids. So I'm very careful with um, how I use my words. And also it took me a while to get to where I am, like teaching dance in a different language, you know, like second language. And uh, I think the word good job is, it's kind of like, it's, it's like it doesn't have a lot of context anymore, right? It's like a yeah. good job. <laughs> you can just say to anyone, everyone. So sometimes I consciously use the word great effort. And that's that means like you're not, I'm not saying that you did a wonderful job, and uh, but I acknowledge your hard work and keep it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Thing. Yeah. But how do you feel about that? Do you think there should be a middle ground? between how they do it in Japan and how they do it in Canada. Um, I mean, one extreme example in Japan is the bar exam to become a lawyer. In Japan, uh, at least from from what I read, it 
only 2.5% of people pass the bar exam. Whereas in America, it's, I think, a third of the people pass their exam, right? Which is like for to become a lawyer. To become a lawyer, exactly, like right? A, so it just shows it、right. depend how much harder these things are.、Um, and it also shows that in North America, we kind of have this attitude where we're born with these innate abilities and we have to improve on them. But it seems like in Japan, there's more of a belief that you're able to change and able to improve and get better and better. And that's also why the standard is so high. Do you think that's、mm-hmm. true? Or... Yeah, definitely, standard is so high, pressure is on.、Um, I think there's always pros and cons. I think in Asian culture, like I'm talking about, like <clears throat> China, Korea, Japan, we always strive for. Better strive for best, and、um, I think I think it's in human nature. We're supposed to experience life and you know, just growth, enjoy the growth, and that's that's what life is about. But sometimes we just、um, focus on the goal so much, like,、um, and then we forget that process, and but that's where life happens, right. <laughs> And、um, I think in the Japanese culture, I think we cherish,、um, you know,、uh, all the gifts that were given from the nature, and we work as a community and care for each other. And that's that, you know, the ingraining our culture. But I think lately, we just everything is digitalized, and、um, we're supposed to be polite in every situation. And we just, you know, like women were suppressed, and we don't know how to express ourselves. But we don't. We're not supposed to get angry. We're supposed to get polite and perfect, perfect in every way. And、um, we're just ignoring those emotions, right? And then, and then, and then, like yours, you know, almost like we create the image of like we have to, we have to be this perfect human beings that don't make any mistakes and. <laughs> We just have to be perfect all the time. Be、let's, nice. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about that. How it is to be a woman in Japan versus a woman in Canada? Because I know,、mm-hmm. um, well, Canada is somewhere in the middle,、uh, but New Zealand, a lot of Scandinavian countries, they score very highly when it comes to equality with women and men. Whereas Japan scores quite lowly,、uh, low,、um, not as much as. I think Pakistan and some other countries, but I think it's number four on the chart that I saw.、Um, that Japan has much more, let's say, traditional gender norms,、mm-hmm. right? And、um, in in North America, it's a little bit more progressive, not as much as Scandinavian countries or New Zealand. But what what's it been like for you、um, as a woman in Japan and in Canada? Do you feel like you have more of an equal opportunity in Canada or not? Um, I think I don't necessarily believe that Japanese always, you know, um, like in culture, like especially where I'm from, like it's small town. We um, the leader of the house is always the father. Right, the father takes care of the wife and the children, and that's the house, and that's how it goes. <laughs> But、um, 
and then women can strive to be great but not so great then you know um we we beat the men <laughs> kind of thing okay and i think it's uh, a lot of young um a lot of japanese women nowadays don't get married uh because they were afraid that they were career oriented and then it's very it's a common practice that once you get married you're supposed to quit your job and because because you have to choose between your career and your in marriage and that's that's a weird concept to you probably and so um people i remember when i was in university is as like i you know we were in university studying um all these materials and i asked my friend what do you want to be in the future and she's like yeah i think i'm just gonna get a job and probably like for three years until i get married and then quit <laughs> and then become a housewife <laughs> i was like ooh. <laughs> And that's very common. And but, however, on the other side, there are a lot of women um, started to not to get married because they're career oriented, right? At the end of the day, they were realizing like you know, divorce rate is going up, and it's like I I can't rely on men. I'm just gonna be my own self. <laughs> yeah. so, so changing, changing, yeah, changing. At the same time, I think the self esteem on Japanese women is definitely very low. And I just like the idea of being perfect and beautiful and like a Japanese geisha doll is, mm. is, is crazy. Like, you know, I think it's all programming TV. Um, people love TV. Um, people love to watch TV in Japan and people love to watch magazine. I remember growing up being a teenager, I'm always catching it's, it's, there's a pressure to keep up with the trend, keep up with the latest music, keep up with the latest clothes you know i never felt so comfortable wearing whatever i want in canada because <laughs> when i was in japan i'm you know this is a summer trend this year i'm supposed to wear this exact outfit <laughs> and now i can ex i can explore my creativity within that range but i have to somehow incorporate this trendy clothes you know yeah. like it's it's crazy and uh yeah it's always been like that well, this pressure, I, I might have to check my notes here because I forget the word. So far, I, I'm surprising myself. I've memorized everything that, that I oh, know. Yeah. But with this pressure in Japan, um, this kind of makes me think of, I'm going to butcher this pronunciation, uh, hikikomori? Mm-hmm, hikikomori. Uh, do you know anyone who has, ex has experience with this? Or do you want to describe it, what, what it is? Yeah. So basically, hikikomori is like a hermit. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, not the definition I had here. But <laughs> yeah, and uh, I have an example. Um, my sister, actually. Yeah, my sister is nine years younger than me. Uh, she's been, she's a, just in a very different generation as mine. And um, she's she's very, she's smart and she's very judgmental <laughs> she's aries butt-headed um and um basically her way of life is i think it it, it happens in a in a society very often where everything is there you know um when you are born when the child uh, was born everything is there you don't have to work hard to get something you know, like I've seen like a lot of rich Asian 
Asian children, like, you know, go to university with the car that the parents gave you, for example. You don't have to have a desire. I'm going to work hard, get a job to buy a car. <laughs> you already have a nice car. <laughs> and so I think from my sister's perspective, why would I have to work hard if I have everything I need? Right? Yeah, yeah. And she tried, you know, she uh, she went to university, she got a job, and but um, somehow she got hurt by working so hard and being so judgmental and just being so depressed about how society works and system works. And I think it's I I don't th I don't necessarily think depressions is a bad thing because it's it's a soul telling you something is off, right? So you can make a change. But I think it's like not having the right tools to navigate yourself. You just kind of like okay, well you can work, I can get a job, but then it's like this. I'm you can only see you can you can only get this much. And with that amount of time, like it's not even worth it. I have a house to live. My parents take care of me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, every time I go out, I need to spend the gas and um, I need to pay for the food. And whereas if I stay home, <laughs> I, I have a roof to cut, you know, to, under the roof, I'm protected. I can have free food and kind of thing. You do get the idea. Yeah. Like if you are, I, I also feel like there are some Canadians who are like that, like, parents take care of them so it's like they don't feel the needs to go at it and be in a survival mode to you know it's just make yourself alive like it's just like it's just hanging there and it's like maybe you don't particularly have desire to like you know we need some inspiration and motivation to live in life and I think a lot of hikikomori people with hikikomori just have that it's just, they were just helpless, you know? Mm -hmm. They don't have desire to want something or desire to, like, you know, go for something. And yeah. it's a very sad place. That almost makes me think about logotherapy, right? Uh, Victor Frankl, who talked a lot about um, overcoming some difficult things in life through having a passion, right? Finding mm -hmm. fulfillment. What is it that fulfills you? Um, and of course, this ties into depression. But before we get into that, we're almost at the 30 minute mark here. So this will be episode one for the listeners. Okay, this is okay. withoutborders.fyi. Remember, if you want to access the transcript, you can go to withoutborders.fyi. Ipwe and I are going to continue talking. And if you want to listen to that next episode, tune in next week.